God bless and greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. And let's take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and then in verse 12. So, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. What we're going to look at today is we wrestle not against flesh and blood. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 we read, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Though Christians are in a physical world, the conflicts that they face are spiritual in nature. And though it appears that only earthly agents move upon the earth, in fact there are spiritual influences everywhere. The Christian's journey in this life will therefore be a very arduous and treacherous path simply because of the spiritual forces that must be contended with. Part of the Christian's calling, therefore, is that suffering and tribulation will precede deliverance. He who believes in the Son of God will suffer from a world that despises and hates everything about him. And as sons of God ourselves, we, like our Lord, shall not be able to escape suffering, which will be a part of our journey to heaven. In John chapter 15, verse 20, we read, Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But what is not always seen or generally believed in is that the source of both earthly temptations and worldly persecutions have evil spiritual agents as their origination. This is seen in Saul's persecution of David when the Spirit of the Lord left him and an evil spirit entered, seen in Judas' betrayal of Christ when also Satan entered into him, and seen in the slaughter of the children under two in order to prevent Jesus' birth. Spiritual wickedness in high places, therefore, will be involved to obstruct the purposes of God. The devil is described as more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And because of this subtlety, most do not actually believe in his existence. Most not really believing that either the devil or evil spirits are actually real. And yet they are and have as their main purpose to thwart God's promises from being accomplished. In John chapter 10, verse 10, we read, and this is the Lord Jesus speaking, The thief, which is the devil, cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Christ, in reference to himself, said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. There is nothing good in anything the thief seeks to do. And though as a thief, who deals in stealth and subtlety. The truth is, he is much more than that, as his real aim is to take away life and to commit murder. Like an invading evil army, plunder, pillaging, and persecution is all that the devil is interested in. Thus he, therefore, who sought to bring about the death of our first parents, has the same plans for us. Using great subtlety in his methods, His end is the same to either prevent life from occurring or seeking to destroy it after it has occurred. 
How different then is this sinister being the devil from the good shepherd Jesus Christ, whose Christ aim is to raise people to life? The contrast between these two is also so great that one of the Son of God's purposes in coming to the earth is to destroy he who introduced sin and death to the world and now seeks to spread both. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, we read, He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested. And this is the purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. The devil has sinned from the beginning, and his great work has always been to introduce sin into this world. This began in the Garden of Eden, and it has spread to every city, suburb, and community today. For nowhere in the world does not sin live. Thus he who is the great sinner against God has enticed, lured, and deceived every man in some degree to follow him in his evil way. But though the devil has been successful in advancing sin in the earth, we should never forget his ultimate end. For the ministry of the Son of God is purposed to destroy both the devil and the vice of sin he encourages to grow. The Lord Jesus ultimately destroying both the author of sin and every weed that he has planted in the earth. Yea, the oppressor will be overthrown, as well as all the shackles that have bound his captives. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. The devil's reign and ultimate destruction has been determined, as also prophesied it would be in Genesis, Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between thee, this is the serpent and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, the seed of the woman, and thou shalt bruise his heel. One then born of the woman, God's word has declared, shall crush and destroy he who introduced sin into this world. From then Eve, who was deceived by the devil, would come from her line and of her gender, the ultimate destroyer of the serpent, which would be the Son of God, Galatians 4.4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. See, because Christ was born of the flesh, and by right is of the race of man, he has, because also he is the Son of God, been given the power to reverse all the pain and misery caused by the devil towards man. Part of Christ's spiritual power is that he has been given by God authority over all evil spiritual entities. This was evidenced in his power to cast out demons and completely undo the harm they have done to man. As the Son of God, and because also his birth came from the woman, both heaven and earth are his right to rule. 1 Corinthians 15, 25. For he must reign Christ till he hath put all enemies under his feet. Every enemy of God, therefore, shall be subjugated by the Son of God. Chiefly, this includes 
the great rebel and deceiver of man, the devil. And in Revelations 20.10, we read, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophets are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Until though this future time is come, where Satan shall be bound and the Son of God shall reign, we have a spiritual adversary that prowls the earth seeking to devour individuals, families, and nations. Ephesians chapter 6 gives us spiritual instruction as to what must be put on to stand against both the devil and his evil counterparts, simply because they remain in the earth and must be stood against. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, we read now, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. See, men by themselves, with their limited strength, cannot fight the wicked one. Yet through Christ strengthening them, and by their being strong in the Lord, they can overcome. It is therefore because Christ is in us, and because we are of of God, that spiritual victory can still be gained. Because the Lord is within His people, victory is possible, even when the enemy is the God of this world. For he who dwells in us is greater than he who is in the world, 1 John 4, 4. You're of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Barnes on this verse. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, God, who dwells in your hearts and by whose strength and grace alone you have been enabled to achieve this victory, is more mighty than Satan, who rules in the hearts of the people of this world and whose seductive arts are seen in the efforts of these false teachers. The apostle meant to say that it was by no power of their own that they achieved this victory, but it was to be traced solely to the fact that God dwelt among them and had preserved them by His grace. What was true then is true now. He who dwells in the hearts of Christians by His Spirit is infinitely more mighty than Satan. The rulers of the darkness of this world and victory, therefore, over all his arts and temptations may be sure. In his conflicts with sin, temptation and error, the Christian should never despair, for his God will ensure him the victory, end quote. See, though the devil is real and has influence over the whole world, Christ is greater. And because Jesus lives in us, by his spirit, we are greater than he who is in the world. Yes, even though through our own strength we can easily be overcome, this is not the case once Christ comes to dwell in a person's heart and soul. For he in whom God's spirit dwells has access to God's power. And this spiritual power will be manifest when God's people put their trust in God. Man by himself and against the devil is weak and again can easily be defeated. Yet when God is on man's side, who has the power quickly changes. 
Without God, men are weak. But with him, there is the strength of the Lord to be tapped into. In Psalm 124, verse 2, we read, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. But blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The treasury of David on this verse. Psalm 124, 6 and 7. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us his prey to their teeth. Leaving the metaphor of a boiling flood, he compares the adversaries of Israel to wild beasts who desire to make the godly their prey. Their teeth are prepared to tear, and they regard the godly as their victims. The Lord is hardly praised for not permitting his servants to be devoured when they were between the jaws of the raging ones. It implies that none can harm us till the Lord permits. We cannot be their prey unless the Lord gives us up to them, and that our loving Lord will never do. Hitherto, he has refused permission to any foe to destroy us. Blessed be his name. The more imminent the danger, the more eminent the mercy, which would not permit the soul to perish in it. God be blessed forever for keeping us from the curse. Jehovah be praised for checking the fury of the foe and saving his own. The verse reads like a merely negative blessing, but no boon can be more positively precious. He has given us to his son, Jesus, and he will never give us to our enemies. Our soul is escaped, continuing on the commentary, as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. Our soul is like a bird for many reasons. But in this case, the point of likeness is weakness, folly, and the ease with which it is enticed with the snare. Fowlers have many methods of taking small birds, and Satan has many methods of entrapping souls. Some are decoyed by evil companions. Others are enticed by the love of dainties. Hunger drives many into the trap, and fright impels numbers to fly into the nets. Fowlers know their birds and how to take them, but the birds see not the snare so as to avoid it, and they cannot break it so as to escape from it. Happy is the bird that hath a deliverer, strong and mighty and ready in the moment of peril. Happier still is the soul over which the Lord watches day and night to pluck its feet out of the net. What joy there is in this song. Our soul is escaped. How the emancipated one sings and soars and soars and sings again. Blessed be God, many of us can make joyous music with these notes. Our soul is escaped. Escape from our natural slavery. Escape from the guilt 
the degradation, the habit, the dominion of sin. Escape from the vain deceits and fascinations of Satan. Escape from all that can destroy. We do indeed experience delight. What a wonder of grace it is. What a miraculous escape that we who are so easily misled should not have been permitted to die by the dread Fowler's hand, end quote. Noting how in verse 8 it is said, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Yes, though the devil and his agents are mightier than man, he is nothing compared to the creator of heaven and earth. No created being, even spiritual created beings like the devil is, is greater than the creator himself. All help for the Christian coming from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The exhortation, therefore, in Ephesians is that our faith and trust should reside in the strength of our God. Because whenever God's people put their faith in the creator of heaven and earth, they shall not be disappointed in his power to deliver them. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 6. And said, O Lord, God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand, God's hand, is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? None are greater than God, and none shall be overrun who put their trust in God. Hence, Christians are instructed to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Whenever attacked by the enemy, it is to God's power and God's strength that believers should turn. By disregarding their own weaknesses and human frailty and counting their own personal human strength as inconsequential, simply because it is not in our own power that we have been instructed to be strong in. See, it makes no difference if we are strong, as long as the one who will fight our battles is. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Barnes on this verse. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I feel weak, when I am subjected to trial, and nature fails and fails, then strength is imparted to me, and I am enabled to bear all. The more I am borne down with trials, the more do I feel my need of divine assistance, and the more do I feel the efficacy of divine grace. Such was the promise in Deuteronomy 32, 25. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. So in Hebrews eleven twenty four, who out of weakness were made strong. What Christian has not experienced this and has been able to say that when he felt himself weak and felt like sinking under the accumulation of many trials, he has found his strength according to his day and felt an arm of power supporting him. It is then that the Redeemer manifests himself in a special manner, and then that the excellency of the religion of Christ is truly seen and its power appreciated and felt. 
felt, end quote. In personal weakness, then, the believer can discover divine strength. In infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, God will hold up those who put their trust in Him. To be strong in the Lord constantly requires that we put our faith in His power and not concern ourselves with our own lack of power. To stand against then spiritual wickedness in high places, the believer is instructed to put his or her trust in the Lord. Isaiah 26, 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. And this is the reason, because he trusteth in thee. Those who put their trust in God shall discover for themselves that God shall appear to fight for them. Our faith in the Lord, actually, that which will allow His power to be directed towards us. It should also be remembered that our enemies cannot do what God has instructed us to do. They cannot be strong in the Lord, nor can they rely on His might as this is reserved for those called by God's name. Verse 11 in Ephesians 6, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In every battle, armor is needed. A spiritual battle is no different. Thus the saint is instructed to put on the whole armor of God in order to successfully withstand all the devil's methods and schemes. The purpose for this godly armor is for protection against Satan's devious plots. As the enemy we face will rarely manifest himself openly, 2 Timothy 2.26, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Barnes gives a fuller understanding of how the devil has ensnared people, so that while in his grasp, his captives are in a deep state of slumber. Barnes on 2 Timothy 2.26. And that they may recover themselves, margin awake. The word which is rendered recover in the text and awake occurs nowhere else in the New Testament. It properly means to become sober again, as from inebriation to awake from a deep sleep and then to come to a right mind as one does who is aroused from a state of inebriety or from sleep. The representation in this part of the verse implies that while under the influence of error, they were like a man intoxicated or like one in deep slumber. From this state, they were to be roused as one is from sleep, or as a man is recovered from the stupor and dullness of intoxication. Out of the snare of the devil, the snare which the devil has spread for them and in which they have become entangled. There is a little confusion of metaphor here, since in the first part of the verse they are represented as asleep or intoxicated, and here as taken in a snare. Yet the general idea is clear. In one part of the verse, the influence of air is represented as producing sleep or stupor. In the other, as being taken in a snare or net. 
And in both the idea is that an effort was to be made that they might be rescued from this perilous condition who are taken captive by him at his will. Margin alive. The Greek word means properly to take alive and then to take captive to win over Luke 5.10 and then to ensnare or seduce. Here it means that they had been ensnared by the arts of Satan unto his will. That is, they were so influenced by him that they complied with his will. Another interpretation of this passage should be mentioned here, by which it is proposed to avoid the incongruence of the metaphor of awaking, one from a snare. It is adopted by Doddridge, who is suggested also by Berger, as quoted by Rosenmuller. The reference is to be an artifice of fowlers, to scatter seeds impregnated with some intoxicating drugs, intended to lay birds asleep that they may draw the snare over them more securely. There can be no doubt that such arts were practiced, and it is possible that Paul may have alluded to it. Whatever is the illusion, the general idea is clear. It is an affecting representation of those who have fallen into error. They are in a deep slumber. They are as if under the fatal influence of some stupefying potion. They are like birds taken alive in this state and at the mercy of the fowler. They will remain in this condition unless they shall be roused by the mercy of God and is the business of the ministers of religion to carry to them that gospel call, which God is accustomed to bless in showing them their danger. That message should be continually sounded in the ears of the sinner with the prayer and the hope that God will make it the means of arousing him to seek his salvation, end quote. We can see then that those who are under Satan's influence have a condition of being like a drugged or sleeping man. Hence, in order to prevent escape and keep someone from the path of the truth, a form of spiritual intoxication is used so that the Lord's warnings cannot be clearly heard. And like a sleeping man who is unaware of the dangers of night, so are those who have become captives of the devil. So that as long as the devil can keep transgressors asleep, the more successful he will become in moving them away from God's salvation. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. It is also the sinner's responsibility, with the help of God's word and God's spirit, once he realizes his inward state of spiritual blindness and sluggishness, to recover himself from the devil's snare. So that if by grace truth is able to reach his heart, it must be embraced and not neglected. It is therefore only faith in God and God's word which shall be able to break the devil's spells. Part of the deception process is also to keep people so asleep to their sins against God that they do not even really know that they have committed them. Those also who are most prone to being taken captive by the devil 
are those uninstructed as to the means and devices he will use to entrap. Understanding our enemy critical so that we may escape becoming vulnerable to his bait. Barnes on Ephesians 6.11 Against the wiles of the devil. The word rendered wiles means properly that which is traced out with method, that which is methodized, and then that which is well laid, art, skill, cunning. It occurs in the New Testament only in Ephesians 4.14 and in this place. It is appropriately rendered here as wiles, meaning cunning devices, arts, attempts to delude and destroy us. The wiles of the devil are the various arts and stratagems which he employs to drag souls down to perdition. We can more easily encounter open force than we can cunning, and we need the weapons of Christian armor to meet the attempts to draw us into a snare as much as to meet open force. The idea here is that Satan does not carry on an open warfare. He does not meet the Christian soldier face to face. He advances covertly, makes his approaches in darkness, employs cunning rather than power, and seeks rather to delude and betray than to vanquish by mere force. Hence the necessity of being constantly armed to meet him. Whenever the attack is made, a man who has to contend with a visible enemy may feel safe if he only prepares to meet him in the open field. But far different is the case if the enemy is invisible, if he steals upon us slyly and stealthily, if he practices war only by ambushes and by surprises. Such is the foe that we have to contend with. And almost all the Christian struggle is a warfare against stratagems and wiles. Satan does not openly appear. He approaches us, not in repulsive forms, but comes to recommend some plausible doctrine to lay before us some temptation that shall not immediately repel us. He presents the world in an alluring aspect, invites us to pleasures that seem to be harmless, and leads us in indulgence until we have gone so far that we cannot retreat. End quote. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 now. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, God's armor, and that which He alone can provide, is needed because it is not flesh and blood that we wrestle against. And since the warfare is spiritual, then only when we lean on God's defenses can we be secure. Our safety then lies in putting on God's armor because the enemies we face cannot be withstood any other way. The wrestling referred to is not simply wrestling as we know it today, but rather the conflict which will confront every believer is a struggle for life. And since the devil seeks to kill and destroy, we should never be misled to think that anything but both physical and spiritual life is on the line when we're engaged in spiritual conflict with him. John 8, 44. 
in reference to the devil, Christ said, You are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Every lie that the devil present to man has as its final end death. The struggle and fight then with spiritual wickedness in high places is a struggle unto death. The serpent's lies in Genesis had as their main purpose Adam and Eve's death. The same holds true today where every purported lie of the devil has its primary purpose producing spiritual death. There is an emphasis in this verse on the abundance of forces that we wrestle and wage war against. They are the rulers of the darkness of this world, Ellicott. This darkness is obviously the darkness of this present world as a world overshadowed by sin and so kept wholly or partially from the light of God, end quote. Just as the light of God has its source in God, so does darkness have as its source in these malevolent and evil forces who sit in high places, orchestrating and overseeing plans to keep people alienated from the light and life of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, and here's the purpose, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. God's armor, the entire and whole armor of God, is needed. It is not then sufficient only to put on one piece of battle gear if others are neglected. As the entire armor of the Lord is essential in order to withstand in the evil day. Notice also that the exhortation is that we are to simply stand. Equipped with God's armor, the believer is instructed to stand against the methods of the devil. Verse 14 now. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. The first piece of the armament of God, which will allow us to stand against the schemes of the devil, is by the believer girding his loins with the truth. The truth then, the truth of God's word and the truth that the spirit of God, or excuse me, and the truth that the spirit of truth will bring to us is our first and primary defense against spiritual wickedness in high places. The word of truth then is the believer's main protection against the assaults of the enemy. In Jesus' temptation by the devil in Matthew chapter 4, it is written, is what the Son of God used to both endure and then become victorious over the various temptations presented against himself. It would therefore be the truth of God's word that Jesus used to defend himself against devilish temptation. Christ's response of, it is written, should be our response as well. Whenever then we are also tempted to sin against the Lord. For he who will go into battle with a rightly divided word of truth shall gain victory through it. Amen.